Welcome to the Catastrophic Comeback Podcast with American injury lawyer Clark Speaks, helping you find hope, purpose, and joy after a catastrophic injury. Okay, now let's look at a catastrophic uh, case. Uh, And then, first of all, in terms of a catastrophic case, the way that I would describe a catastrophic case is going to have permanent, lifelong, life-altering injuries that Mm -hmm. are going to make it so that a person is probably not going to be able to do the same thing or the same sorts of things they were doing before. Uh, What I'm thinking of is, you know, paralysis, loss of limbs, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, death, uh, you know, and and something really, really, really serious that's going to impact a person's ability to to provide for his or her family going forward. Um, Let's let's look at those cases and uh, how are those cases different? Well, you know, in a catastrophic case, it's all hands on deck, right? It's right not from the very beginning. Through right the from the very beginning, you got all intake investigation, the whole deal. Getting out there, seeing the person, and establishing that rapport with them, because just like any other case, it's kind of like a marriage. You're going to have a relationship with this person for an extended period of time. You've got to like one another, and you, you've got to trust one another, right? So, um, we could go out there and tell somebody that, you know, everything that we can do for them, everything we've done for people in the past. But if there's not that warm fuzzy, then it's not a relationship that's going to work. So getting out there and being uh, compassionate and empathetic and explaining what we can do to help them out and what our limitations are, um, that's real important. I'm a big fan of face-to-face and that's a catastrophic injury. It's it's even more important. Well, so I remember um, getting called on a catastrophic case a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And before our intake person was off the phone with the daughter of the person that called, I had plane tickets to go to the Spine Center in, mm-hmm. in, um, in Atlanta uh, to see them probably the, probably the next day, if not that day. Mm-hmm. So I know, I, I know what you mean. Uh, so let's look at it from the first. So, so in ter- terms of stage one, the first thing that would be different, I like your description, all hands on deck. And that's my observation too. If we get a call about a catastrophic, or if, if anybody gets a call about a catastrophic case that does this and does this well, the first thing I think they would have to do is to go to work immediately to secure, to secure evidence, to uh, develop a relationship, uh, to uh, to uh, 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 find coverage, uh, right. to investigate, um, uh, and, and if I didn't already say it, secure evidence and, so that right. we can use that to develop the claim in the future. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, yeah. And, and in, a, in a catastrophic case, too, our investigation into whether somebody else is responsible for this happening is even more important. Now let me ask you that. Describe, explain to me a little bit more about what you what you mean here, because I think this is really really important in a catastrophic in, in all comp mm-hmm. claims and all workers' compensation claims, but but especially in this constant this in this area. So can you describe a little bit more detail what you mean? Yeah, you know, in workers' comp, fault is really not a consideration. But what if somebody else caused the accident to happen, right? So. Say you're, we can use the example of, of the case that you were referring to. Somebody's on scaffolding or a ladder, and our person, our client's company didn't assemble it, 
um, and wasn't responsible for the maintenance, then you want to look to see who was because that just may be another avenue of recovery for our catastrophically injured client. So just to elaborate, I think uh, it's important for people to understand that there are some things that workers' comp does that are beneficial that that's not available in ordinary liability and third-party liability context. Mm -hmm. For example, um, in, in a third-party liability context, context, like if you're just injured by somebody else's negligence, do you do you get uh, do they pay your medical bills? Do they pay your lost wages as you go? In a regular personal injury yeah, case, in a regular personal no, injury. you're recovering everything at the end. At the very end, right? So right. you do not have the benefit of weekly checks, and right. you do not have the the availability of somebody paying your medical bills as you go, right. and you do not have the uh, the ability to uh, you know to uh, have your basic expenses and medical treatment covered while you're getting better. Instead, right. you have this sort of situation where you have to um, you have to survive until the very end of that process, mm -hmm. which is very difficult for people. Right. But the, what you're talking about, which I think is so, so important, is that when you have a comp claim, any comp claim, but especially a catastrophic claim, you have to look to see if there's some other source of recovery beyond right. just workers' comp. And, and the reason for that is, is workers' comp is, a, is generally an exclusive remedy. Can you explain what that means? Well, you can't sue your employer for negligence in the state of North Carolina. So workers' comp is all you've got. Well, unless there's some, like a, we talk about Woodson claims, and mm -hmm. that's such a tiny, narrow window, it almost seems to never be open. Right. Uh, not never, and, but it's and it closes very, very different. More and more every time somebody challenges every it. Every time, that's just a great point. So in general, a Woodson claim, whereas a Woodson claim may be, may be possible, Mm -hmm. It it seems like it's very unlikely and getting more unlikely with every court ruling, like you say. But so so if 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 a ordinary if if a person can't sue his employer in ordinary negligence for uh, negligent conduct in a workers' compensation or in a work injury kind of situation, what other options might be available to that person? Well, if somebody else is responsible for the accident um, and the injuries, then we can file a civil claim against that company. Um, and again, it's just another avenue for recovery f for our client, whether they're catastrophically injured or just injured. Just the important thing is this analysis has to be done very, very carefully. Is that right? And we try to do it as early on as possible. And as early on as possible. Let me, for, for investigative purposes and other purposes. So, so, so let's look at another example. Let's say there is a person who's working at a plant who is terribly injured, mm -hmm. uh, and that person is working for company A, and there are uh, other companies, work company B and company C are working in that plant too. Mm -hmm. um, if, if a person is injured by company A, his employer, and, or some, another, a co-worker, or, or, a, or a supervisor or something like that, and it's all that supervisor's fault and no one else's fault, mm -hmm. then how does the exclusive remedy apply in that situation? That is a worker's compensation case and won't ever be anything else. Okay. A, a, an Sorry. example where there might be a third-party case is this guy who's in the 
factory and he's working on complicated equipment and uh, the company that he works for, all they do is they run the equipment. But they have an outside firm come in and do the maintenance and the repairs on the uh, equipment. And maybe they didn't do something properly or maybe they forgot to do something at all and the person gets injured. Then that's a possible third party case against that other company. Or maybe they're operating a piece of equipment in a negligent way and it causes, and the, and the person from company B or company C is operating a piece of equipment in a negligent way or secure something in a neg negligent way right. or doesn't secure it properly, violates protocol, and then as a result, the guy employed for company A, but whereas he can't sue his own employer, mm -hmm. company A, he may be able to sue company B or company right. C. We've uh, had a lot of calls recently about people getting injured on forklifts where their coworkers are either messing around or not paying attention and forklifts collide. That's really just a workers' comp case. But say there were other companies working in the same area and somebody from company A is driving a forklift and runs into the person from company B, then that person from company B not only has a workers' comp case, but they may have a claim against the, the company A also. So, so just so we're clear, you know, we are not giving legal advice to you or to anyone else. We're trying to get, illustrate to you how this works and how important it is to look at this to see if there is a third-party liability claim because it, if they could be overlooked. And if they're overlooked, mm -hmm. what happens then? Uh, you know, the time to file a claim against that company could just run, and then there's no claim to be made there You'd either. You'd never know, right. would you? I mean, right. if you if if you just never know that you mm -hmm. had this claim and you did. Right. We talked about some of the ways where workers' compensation claims are good. You know, and mm -hmm. having a workers' compensation kit, you would never want to be injured. But if you had to be injured, and you had workers' comp compensation insurance available to you, that could be good, right? They're going to pay your weekly wage, your average weekly wage. They're going to pay for your medical treatment going forward. Don't have to right. wait to the end. That's good. There are some ways where it's not as good as third-party liability coverage. Give me some examples of what, where it's not as good. Um, well, I, what I'm thinking you, of specifically is, is pain and suffering, for example. Okay. So in workers' compensation in the state of North Carolina, pain and suffering is not taken into consideration at all. Okay. Um, you are, workers' comp is going to pay for your wages, they're gonna pay for your medical treatment, and they're gonna pay for a disability rating that your treating doctor is gonna give you at the end of your treatment. But they don't have to consider pain and suffering, you know, um, they don't have to consider, hey, you know, I can't pick up my kids or I can't throw the ball around in the yard with them anymore, or I can't coach their basketball team anymore. There's no other way to say it but the carriers don't care about any of that stuff, and, and they don't have to. They're not legally required to, no. to do that. Even if they may right. personally be sympathetic or empathetic towards those, right. they are legally not required to pay that. That is not how those insurance contracts are drawn, right. how they work, and that's not coverage that's provided. So, right. so, and, I th and it's important to recognize that, that I think that the reason for that, right, the reason for that is something that you raised earlier, which is fault is not an issue in workers' compensation. Right. People don't seem to understand that. People call us all the time about workers' mm -hmm. compensation, and they go, hey, I want you to know it, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, and this other guy was not doing what he was supposed right. to, or she was supposed to be doing, and it was their fault. Mm -hmm. And 
And do you find that that's a common misconception is people people tend to want to, to think that fault is somehow a component of workers' compensation? Uh, yeah, they, you know, the thing that people are most familiar with is a car wreck, right? And the most important thing in a car wreck is who's at fault for it. So they take that knowledge and they say, okay, well, was I at fault for my accident? Or no, I wasn't at fault for my, for my accident, so I must have a workers' comp case. But the thing is, if you're a roofer, for example, and you lean your ladder up against the roof and it's not on solid ground and you're climbing up there and your ladder falls over and you break your arm, you're probably covered. Regardless of the fact that in, in a third-party liability case, mm -hmm. you would be looked at as being negligent on your and you would, negligent yourself, which would get, entitle you to zero recovery. That's correct. Right. So let me ask you this. With that in mind, what are some of the th mistakes that you see people uh, make in claims that are harmful to their cases? Um, there's, there's a couple of common ones. You know, if it's a smaller company or kind of a mom-and-pop kind of thing or the injured worker has what they consider a friendly relationship with their employer, when they go and get medical treatment, they may not say, I got her to work. They'll say they think something they're else. They're doing their boss, their friend, their boss a solid. That's right. And all they're doing is they're hurting themselves in the in the long run because it's all about what's in your medical records. It's a paper trail, and if it starts off poorly, then it's usually going to continue to go on poorly. Um, so that's something difficult to overcome. Um, can it be overcome? Absolutely. If a if an ambulance shows up and picks somebody up. We're going to know where they picked them up from, and we can get that report and show where it actually happened. Um, but that's a, I hate to use the word mistake, but it's just, it's something that people do. And not because they're trying to um, be deceptive, but like you said, they're trying to just do the right thing for these folks that they work for. And, you know, people are afraid of losing their jobs. Here's another one, quitting their job. How is that harmful to people in this situation? Um... I don't know that in all the years that I've done this that we've told somebody to quit a job. Um, you know, when somebody comes to, to us and says, hey, listen, you know, these guys are just doing all this terrible stuff to me. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to find something else. And you know what? It's not my family that has, is, they're taking care of. It's not my finances. You got to do what you got to do, but it is going to change the way we do things in the long run. But you got to do what you got to do. Um, and it can make things a little bit more difficult. If you change jobs in the, in the middle of a case, you're still responsible. Uh, the insurance company is still responsible for paying for your medical treatment. But what if you have to get taken out of work for a surgery or for some sort of treatment? Your new employer may not worry about that. They may not honor your restrictions or the time that you have to take off from work because... They didn't, you didn't get hurt on their job. You didn't get hurt on their Very dime. Be careful about leaving your job after an injury in a workers' compensation yeah. in an open, watch, open workers' compensation context because it can absolutely cost you money. It can. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.